love the church. I love the kingdom of God. But something I have learned is you have to take the kingdom of God very seriously to have fun in the kingdom of God. If you take the kingdom of God casually, it's not fun. It's boring. It's very boring. I, I can tell you right now, if you're just standing there today, you're probably pretty bored. But those of you who have been worshiping and opening up your heart and you've been letting your tears flow and you've been lifting your voice up, you're not bored one bit. You love coming to church. You've got to be serious about it for it to be enjoyable. Cannot be casual with God and expect it to be powerful and beautiful and amazing. And so that's really what I felt today. I wanted to talk about seriously fun church. Seriously fun church. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 is where we're going to go today, talking about being serious and talking about how much fun it is serving God if you will take the kingdom of the Lord serious. And I'm so thankful you're all here today. I can't wait to hopefully meet you all today if you're new to our church. I met some great people yesterday, and very, very awesome people. Have y'all, has anyone else figured it out that there are a lot of people who don't go to church a whole lot, that they are really just wonderful people? There are some beautiful creations in this world that God has created, and they don't all go to church, but they are, they are hungry for more. And I got to meet some yesterday, and, and some that said they were going to come to our church. God is really bringing people in close that have a hunger for Him, and it is so good. I can't wait for, for what the Lord is going to do in the last days. Acts 2.42, let me read you a, a picture of what the first church looked like Right after they all got the Holy Ghost, they all repented. And they were baptized in Jesus' name. I want to show you what the first church did, okay? And I, I want to get this mic going. Let's see how it sounds. Testing one, two, three. There's no sound, so that sounds bad. All right, let's go back to this one. All right. Actually, it sounds great when there's no, there's no volume because nothing can go wrong. Acts 2.42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and all, had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. They just began to be very loving to each other. They began to share. Hey, man, you want some flour? I got some eggs. They just began to be very kind. They began to think about each other. They thought, man, I don't need this, uh, this extra boat. I'll just go ahead and sell this. I want to be a blessing to the kingdom. And they began to just think about being a giver. And it was just beautiful what the church did. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. I don't even know if they worked anymore. It sounded like they just had a party all, every day all day, but I guess they had to work sometime. But they just spent a lot of time together breaking bread house to house, probably gluten-free, and they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart because that's the only way you could eat that much bread. It has to be gluten-free. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were, who were being saved. That's New King James Version. It sounds like a Hallmark card, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, who, who didn't want to belong to that? There's nothing bad happening. It's a beautiful picture of the church. This is how the church began. That was the, cli that was the culture, and that was the climate when the church began. And this really is, I think, where the, the climax of where God wants the church. I mean, when he first poured out the Spirit, how do people act? Right? When the Spirit was strongest, when the Spirit was most powerful, this is how we're supposed to act. This is the best of us right here. Now, I know it sounds weird and foreign to our culture for people to start selling everything and just sharing it because we don't trust each other. 
But, man, I trust the Holy Ghost inside of people. Well, I may not trust you and your flesh. I trust you when you're spiritual. I'm scared of you when you're not. I don't want to be around none of y'all no camping trip in the middle of the woods if you ain't got the Holy Ghost. You hear me? Some of y'all are like, I want to invite my friends. I'm like, they have the Holy Ghost? Because my my tent ain't got no lock, okay? You hear what I'm saying? It's a zipper. So so it's a beautiful what the church can be whenever we, we take it seriously. We can really have fun together. But, but when you don't do it right, it, it, it's miserable. Church is miserable when you don't do it right. Yeah, it's miserable. Thank you, Lord. Let's all lift our hands and pray. Ask God to bless today. Let's just take a moment. Love the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, we love you. You're good to us, God. Let the Holy Ghost manifest, move, and bless today in the name of the Lord. Thank you, God, for your people. Thank you, Lord, for the kingdom. We ask you, Lord, for the anointing, your power to settle on us. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name. Everybody say in Jesus' name. God bless you. You can be seated today. We're so thankful you're all here. I hope this helps you today. Seriously fun church. Seriously fun church. Anybody else love going to church as much as me? Thank you, Lord. I love it. This is how you know you love church, when you're on vacation and you're like, I feel bad. I feel like I should be in church right now. You ever been there before? You know, your schedule didn't work out to where you could, you could go to church when you're on vacation, so you're just sitting there and you kind of sleep in and you wake up and you're like, look online, and everybody's in there worshiping, and you're like, I, I don't feel right. I feel, I feel like I need to be in church. Or, or better than that, when, you, when you're not at church or on vacation, and you literally miss church. That's, that's when you know you just you love church. And uh, people that travel and go to church on vacation, like this wonderful couple here from Conroe, they came to church today on their vacation, and that's what I'm talking about. You love church. So doesn't what our text, what I just read, Sounds so pretty to you. I think it sounds beautiful when I read it. The church was so happy back then. They were all just so together. I mean, everybody from different walks of life, everybody from different backgrounds, they were all just so happy. And it sounds like this blissful paradise. Sounds like fun to me. I want to go back to those days and just do it like that because it sounds amazing. But we can't. Here we are. We have to make the best of where we are right now. After this, though, Peter... And John, they go to the temple to pray, and on their way, there was a lame man who could not walk, and on the way from this big old party, everybody selling stuff and, and loving each other and praying all the time and, and agreeing and getting along, now they're walking down the road, and this man who can't walk, they say, look at me, I'm going to help you, know, I'm going to help you, I'm going to give you a miracle, and this guy jumps up, and he, he can walk now. I mean, doesn't, isn't that sound like fun? I think church is boring. If we would be the real church, we would have fun. The only reason church is boring is because we're not living like that. I tell you, any church gets exciting when people get out of wheelchairs. I don't care the denomination. When people get out of wheelchairs, when the dead come back to life, it's not boring anymore. Church is boring because people don't take it seriously. They play games with it. 
And so, and so, man, this sounds like fun. I mean, they're just walking around, going to prayer meetings, people getting up off the ground. It's just amazing. No stress, no problems. It was just a good time. But then if you keep reading the story of the church in Acts 3.11, the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, and all the people began to run around to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's porch, greatly amazed at the miracle. So when Peter saw it, he, he responded to the people. So Peter used the miracle for a platform to preach off of because that's the whole point. You know, contrary to popular belief, God does not heal you so that you can go back into your sin. God does not heal you from the sickness so you can miss church more. Some people only keep coming to church because they're not healed. When I, Brother Brandon and I were talking today about this, I, I said, Lord, the Lord talked to me one day and said, he said, what would you do if I healed you? Would you fish more? Would you hunt more? Play golf more? What, what would you do if God gave you the money that you're asking for? Would you, would you skip church more? God does not perform miracles so that we can ignore him. God performs miracles so that we'll have faith, so that we have something to preach about, so that we can say, hey, this man rose up so you can be saved. This man now walks, let me tell you who Jesus is. He didn't heal that man just so that man could go take some vacations or go play soccer. He healed that man so we could get a pulpit behind it and preach the goodness of the Lord. That was the reason for the miraculous. God's not trying to heal us so we can just live without him. He's trying to get us to depend on him and use our story of disaster for a testimony to preach his name. That's what he did. And so, and so look, this, this party the church was having, look what Peter said. I said, oh, you want to gather around? That's dangerous when you gather around because when you gather around, somebody's going to start preaching. And so we said, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Why do you look so intent, intently at us as though by our own power? Watch that. As though we did this as men. See what the Lord wants from us? He doesn't want us to get the credit. That's why I felt that earlier in the spirit. He said, you're looking at me like I did this or through my godness that I did this, that we made this man walk. But look what he says in verse 13. He says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus. He began to preach Jesus. When some miracle happened, the, the, the whole context was Jesus. You need to know Jesus, not me. I'm nothing. You need to know Jesus. And so he said, let me tell you about Jesus, uh, whom you delivered up and, and, and denied in the presence of Pilate and who you, who you did this to. This is where the party stops. You know, we were like, oh, man, let's just all get along. Let's all have a good time at church. But, but listen to the context. It wasn't all fun and games. There was a balance in the first church. You have to know when to shout. You have to know when to laugh. And you have to know when to stand up and get ready to take a beating. They were a serious church. It's like a crime these days to be serious. It's a crime to have a conviction now. It's a crime to stand for something. But the first church stood willing to lose everything. In fact, let me just say this. When you've already sold everything and given it to your buddies, there ain't nothing else to lose. I'm so scared I'll lose all my extra. They already gave up their extra. 
There is no extra to take. There's nothing to lose. This world's not my home. I don't care what you threaten me with. I've already given it away. I've already sold it all. I've already, I've already have a home for this stuff. You can't take it. This is better than I thought it was going to be. I didn't, I didn't think it would be that good. Just preach a little bit, teach a little bit. I'm, I'm enjoying it. In fact, I go back and watch myself because I feel like it's a good preacher. Just go back and listen. I'm like, I get convicted. I go back and pray after. Y'all get to pray. I got to go back later and hear the Holy Ghost and pray through myself. And so, so it just got from a, a party, everybody's having fun, miracle signs and wonders, to you killed him. He's dead because of you. Yeah, and just like right now, that's what happened to them. Church is not all fun and games. The kingdom of God is not all fun and games. We don't talk about heavy topics. People get uncomfortable in the real church. There are weird, awkward silences in the, in the real church. There are moments where, where God grips your heart and you realize I'm a sinner, that I did this to him, that he's dead because of me, and I've got to change. You have to have a balance. The church has to have a balance. Let's study the Bible and be like them and quit trying to copy them down the road. Let's be this church right here. Let's have a balance. And so, so he says that you denied the Holy One, verse 14, and the just, and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. You asked for a murderer to be released instead of Jesus being released. This is what you did. And you killed, verse 15, you killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. Talk about just putting a wet blanket on the fun the church was having. Peter, you're so rude. Can you make friends? Come on, man. You're supposed to be a preacher. Everybody's supposed to like you. No, they're not. No, they're not. Well, as a result of all this commotion going on right here, they get arrested. And they knew they probably would. And they didn't care anyway. Because they were not going to compromise their convictions over fear of being arrested. And neither will any of us. That didn't go over very well. You are too in love with this world if you can't say amen to what I just said. You are too in love with this world. If you cannot proclaim, put me in jail, I will not compromise. I'd rather die in jail going to heaven than live a rich man in this world. Yo, we have got it too good. Go sell something. And they didn't even care because they were serious. I am not afraid of serious Christians. I love hanging out with serious Christians. I love it. They're passionate. So notice what the guys in charge say in Acts 4 and 10. Let it be known to all of you, to all people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. Look, they're not stopping, y'all. Now they're standing before the police. <laughs> the Gestapo. Whom God raised from the dead. By him, this man stands here before you whole. This man's healed because of Jesus, and you tried to kill him. You're anti-Jesus, but Jesus is for us. Look what he says, verse 11. And this, this Jesus, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. He's now your boss, and you tried to destroy him. These are, these are men of God preachers. 
and they know when to lay it down. Our God is the lion and the lamb. He knows when it's time to stand up and preach and go to jail, and he knows when it's time to die, and he knows when it's time to eat fellowship and tell some jokes. We know when to have a good time, and we know sometimes we got to get serious. The kingdom of God is not enjoyable if the Christians will not get serious. So, so these religious leaders threaten them, let them go, and they go back to all their Christian family and friends, and they testify, they pray together, and they even started selling extra stuff they owned to support the work of the kingdom, even each other. But then this one couple, after that, lies about how much they were giving to the kingdom, and the Spirit of God judged them, and they instantly fell dead. Wet blanket on the church party. One minute they're just breaking bread, praying, how you doing? Good. I went into somebody. Wow, try this dip. This good with the bread. Amazing. Did you hear what that lady did? Yeah, yesterday she just, she just died. She, she died. Why'd she die? God killed her. Oh. Who wants more bread? <laughs> you know why the church is so fun? Because God is serious and the people are serious, and when we take the things of God serious, uh, there are blessings, uh, and there's beautiful things happening, and power, and anointing, and God reaches the world through us, uh, but whenever we go wrong, God is serious. The only reason the church is doing so good is because of things like that, because of the judgment of God, because God didn't let them get away with it. The Bible says after this, these two people lied to the Holy Ghost, lied to the men of God, after that there was great fear, of course, came on everybody, and there was a great revival. There is never going to be a great revival if we can't get serious. There will never be a great revival where we can get people saved and go into heaven until the church says it's time to stop worrying about hurting everybody's feelings. And get serious. That's some serious stuff. One minute prayer, power, and the other just heavy. They're carrying bodies out of the house. Like it's nothing. Because the kingdom had too much to do to play games. We can go to Jesus now, Matthew 21 and 12, and see how he lived. Then Jesus went to the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple. He overturned the tables and the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house, he called it my house. He says, this is my house, and this house shall be called a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. He's talking to the most powerful religious people in the world. He's rebuking them. Yep. But look what happened in verse 14. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. If we will get serious, we can have a lot of fun in the kingdom, y'all. You can't have it both ways. 
You can't have the miracle signs and wonders and have a preacher up here that, that doesn't have a backbone. You can't do that. You've got to be honest and real and truthful for God's power to work. You can't dance around here all the tough issues. You have to stand for truth and God will bring the blind and God will bring the lame and he will raise them up. We must get serious before we ever start to have fun. Well, that's not fun. You don't think it's fun having blind people's eyes come up in the temple and now they can see? That's not fun. Ask the blind man who can see if he's having a good day. That's the best day of his life. Ain't no vacation can top that. Ain't no truck can top that. Ain't no great house can top that. Ain't nothing better than seeing the blind eyes open and the lame begin to walk. That's called fun to me. People would give anything to see that happen. Yeah. Jesus is like, get out, you bunch of thieves. Oh, hello, blind people. You want to come get your vision back? He's not bipolar. No. There's just a message for each group. I want to be serious about the right things at the right times. I want to chill out in traffic. But I want to be intense in prayer meetings. Lord, help me chill out in traffic. Lord, help me have the Holy Ghost. If the Lord comes back and we're in cars, half of us ain't going to make it. I want to chill out in traffic, but I want to be intense in prayer meetings. You've got to know when to be what. I want to relax when my plane is delayed, 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 but I want to be passionate when I'm preaching. I want to get serious about the things that matter, and I want to relax on things that don't. I want to get serious about eternity, relax about the temporal, not get stressed out over things that don't matter. I want to really get fired up over stuff that's eternal. Look, if you don't get mad about anything in the kingdom, get mad about people going to hell. If you're going to get mad or if you're going to hurt somebody's feelings, at least do it over trying to get them saved. Because we really hurt each other over the dumbest stuff. You're sitting in my seat. Are you serious? You're going to offend somebody over that? If you're going to offend them, say, you never have gone to the front and pray. That's a whole lot better way to make somebody mad in the church than saying, you took my seat. At least you're trying to help them and not just help yourself. So here's my philosophy. When something's funny, when something's lighthearted, you ought to learn to laugh and just relax. There are way too many stressed out Christians these days. To me, joy and peace is obvious. You don't have to wonder if somebody has it. It's so easy to know if somebody has joy and peace. You can't have internal joy and peace that never shows up on your face. I have joy. I have peace. If you have joy and peace, you're not easily offended. It's just, it's the way you know. You're actually enjoyable to be around. You know what's so cool is everybody can have joy and peace. It's totally free gift from the free fruit of the Spirit. When you get the Spirit, God gives it to you. So if you don't have joy and peace, you have a problem with God. 
and it's bleeding into the problems with your relationships. So if you fix this with God, you'll start to be someone enjoyable to be around, and all of a sudden, you'll have more friends. Man, church is fun, isn't it? If you do it God's way and get serious about it, it's amazing how many friends you can really have in life. If you have joy and peace, you can be yourself. You can be yourself. Just relax. Who cares? I'm, I'm content. I'm, I'm secure. You have to learn to have fun. Faith says it's not as bad as it seems, so stop stressing so much. How are the people of faith always so angry and stressful? You don't have faith if you're stressed out all the time. You do not have faith. I don't have faith when I'm stressy. Faith says it's going to be all right. Hope says it's going to be okay no matter what. When you have all these fruit in your life, you can be enjoyable to be around. It's obvious if you're that way. But some of us are just a downer. Look, I've been a downer. I've been a downer. I've been the downer on the road trip. Road trips are my kryptonite. Vehicles are my kryptonite. So I've been the downer for the whole family. My wife's sitting here going, look, you need to chill out. You need to calm down. We paid for this. It's miserable. Okay? I've been the downer. But when I have faith, all that goes away. I'm the life of the party. It's amazing who we can be if we'll just take God seriously. It's amazing how much fun we can have living this life if we'll just buckle down and get serious. Help us, Lord. Now, you have fun, learn to laugh, have a game night, invite somebody over, play a nice Christian game, get to laughing, learn to cut up, stop trying to, to be so, so starchy and stiff all the time. You've got to figure out how to do that, but that comes from having faith. But please learn how to do that, Christians. There's no way you'll ever win anybody to God if you're not fun to be around. Never. Nope. But here's the balance, Okay. When we start talking about heaven and hell, your broken marriage, your unruly children, a lack of relationship with God, we've got to leave all that funny stuff behind and get serious. There is a time to stop joking, stop laughing, and to get to an altar and weep and cry and repent until you change because you're never going to get all the fruit of that joy and the fruit of that peace if you're not right with God. There comes a season of your life where you have to say, stop joking, turn off all the comedy. I've got to get right with God. I don't want to just escape all the time. I don't want to find a comedian all the time. I want to get real about this. I'm sick of my life. I want to get serious, preacher. I think some people are scared that your life's going to be boring if you are more serious about your walk with God. Y'all, I love my life. I try to take my life very seriously, my, my walk with God seriously. I believe in holiness. I believe they're, they're, we don't watch bad stuff. We don't go to worldly places, and I have fun. I'm the only one on Sunday afternoon not drinking a mimosa in Austin laughing. Everybody else has to get wasted. But I just got drunk in the Holy Ghost, and I feel just fine. And I go to the restaurant on Sunday, and they look at me dressed up like I'm from the past. But they don't understand it's just because I have a future. I love my life because I take this seriously. This is a fun message. I enjoy preaching this message. See, 
I'm serious, but it's fun. Being serious does not eliminate the ability to have fun. On the contrary, many fun hobbies require a serious attitude before the fun is even possible. Hey, you want to go hunting? Sure. Let's just go pick a spot. Sit in the woods. I'll just wear, I'll just wear confetti outfit pants, shirt, wear cologne, go sit in the middle of a field, dance with a gun in my hand, waiting for a gun to, for a deer to show up. It'll be fun. You're not gonna have any fun. Do you know why you're not gonna have any fun hunting in the woods like that? Because you're not gonna get a deer. You will live your entire life miserable, even though you think it's fun. Oh, you're messing up big time. You can't just go have a party in the woods and enjoy it. If you're going to go hunt, you've got to do certain things to have that fun. Man, these guys that love hunting, they are intense. When they sleep at night, too, they're intense. Yeah, both ways. It's intense and intense. It's a bad joke. When these guys get up, these guys get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. My, my father-in-law's pastor that took over their church is a fanatic on hunting. I hope he watches this, this video later. It's hilarious. This guy gets up at like 3 in the morning, and he takes like, like baths in, in like, like trees. He, like, he like has like trees. He just rubs all over his body, and, and I'm, I'm being funny now, but he does all this weird stuff. He has a closet for, for his clothes to take the scent out. It's a special machine. He rides an electric bike with no lights through the woods at four in the morning. What are you doing? You're going to kill yourself. He gets out there early, two hours before the sun comes up, and doesn't move a muscle. All so he can shoot an innocent animal. Most expensive meat you've ever bought. Hey, don't let anybody lie to you. Hunting is not for food. It's for fun. You don't need it. You could buy it much cheaper. So the only way to enjoy, and what's funny is when these guys do all of that and spend all that money, they'll shoot one good buck, one, one. And they'll go home and go, man, that was the best time of my life. That was right there with having babies and just, oh, that just changed my life. Do you know why that guy's having fun? Because that guy's serious. Now, fishing's more my thing. I like fishing. And I can't stand these Zebco throwing, sitting on the bank, Drinking a root beer. Hopefully that's all you drink. And you call that fishing. I'm like, no, man. Get me on the 21-foot bass boat with all the electronics. Get me out there, one that's just drizzling early in the morning. I mean, right when the sun's coming up, uh, nice and still. Get me out there with someone with eight rods on the deck because he wants a lure for every color of fish. He don't, want, he don't have time to change lures. i got to just have it ready. Now, that right there is serious. I've, I've fished with men before that they told me to be quiet because the fish can hear me talking. 
birds are flying by going, truck, truck, and the fish are like, it's cool, it's a bird. Let's go eat. But that right there's a human. I fish with some serious guys that are way out there, but I'm telling y'all, there's a connection between serious and having fun. That's the point I'm trying to make right now. Yep. And then just for fun, these people that lift weights, they're fanatics. <laughs> they are so funny to me. <laughs> Have you ever seen them? They're lifting weights. Their, their veins are bulging out of their face. They're turning red. They're groaning like they're already in hell. And they're, ah! And I'm over here, like, lifting five pounds, you know, the little pink ones. And, and they're just over there just dying. And I'm sitting there thinking, that's not fun. But when they get done, they drop it. They're like, yeah, man, you feel that? That's a rush. Whoa! I'm coming back tomorrow to hurt myself again. Do you know why they're having so much fun? Because they take it so seriously. I'm over here like, let's forget it, let's go eat a hamburger. So are we allowed to laugh this much in church? I feel like, should I be praying right now or laughing? I don't. Am I serious or is it fun? When you when you're serious about God, you're allowed to laugh. I'm not convicted right now because I know that I'm going to walk with God. I don't have condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation. When you walk with the Lord, you don't have to walk around with your head down, afraid all the time, scared of enjoying life. Because you know you're serious and devoted and committed to God. Hallelujah. God is so serious. Proverbs 14 and 9, fools make a mock at sin, but among the righteous there is favor. 2 Kings 2, 22 and 25, Elisha the prophet was traveling one time, and he passed by a group of young people. And these young people called him bald and mocked him. And all of a sudden, two female bears came out and killed 42 of them. I was growing up, they said, don't you dare ever talk about the man of God. My son is afraid of bears, and we don't even live near them. He went camping the night. He could barely sleep. He was like, what about bears getting in our tent? I said, we're on the second floor of a commercial building. A bear cannot get in. He said, can they, can they break down doors? I'm like, there are some that look like they can break down a door. But not our doors. They're special. My son is afraid of bears, and they're not even close by. And yet in the Bible... God, every now and then, you just have to show people that this is serious. You know, you, God may not tell you that this is because of that. God may not tell you it's because you talked about the man of God. Things just might go crazy in your life. Keep that in mind. God may never clarify why things all of a sudden just broke up. That's why I want to live for God seriously. Because I don't want to take any chances with a serious God. I don't want to take any chances with a God who has given me a way to live. And he's very clear with how I should live. I want to take the things of God 
seriously. New Testament, Luke 6, 25, Jesus said, Woe unto you that are full, for you shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep one day. Jesus turned over tables in the temple. He used the whip to bow up on the temple businessman. He said, my house shall be a house of prayer. And the religious really brought out the aggressive side of Jesus. When it comes to our relationship with Jesus and our walk with him, he takes it very seriously, ladies and gentlemen. It is not a game to him. He did not come to the earth and die so that we could play around with salvation and our eternity. He takes us very seriously. He's as serious about us as you would be your kids in the middle of traffic at 5 o'clock on 71 there are no games there are no games I've got to save you the word serious just means take great concern take caution it's carefulness it's your attitude when something really important to you it's how you act when things matter to you it's not fear it's determination in fact I'll go even further you're serious about what you love promise you right now. You can challenge it all you want. If you're not serious about it, you don't love it. Your wife, your job, anything. You're only serious about what you truly love. What are you, what are you most serious about in life? Like, what is, it, what, is, what is off limits on joking with you? Everybody has a trigger where you're like, that's not funny to me. But what's really shocking is if you talk about someone's soul and, and spiritual destination, you can, it doesn't matter. Well, you, you mess with someone how they look. Oh, you cross the line. But, you, but we don't care about our, our eternity. Joke all you want. It's just a big game. No, we've got to be serious. Revelation 3 and 19, I'm going to come to a close. As many as I love, Jesus said, I rebuke and I chasten. I try to fix them. I try to help them. He says, be zealous, therefore, repent. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man hear my voice, open up the door. I'm serious about saving you. Do you realize right now we're living in the dispensation of grace? And that means that our God is standing at the door and he's knocking. Our God is trying to get our attention in the last days. And everything that's happening right now, do you hear me? It's because the Lord is knocking. You call it sickness, I call it door knocking. You call it trouble in the family, I call it door knocking. He's reaching out to us right now, trying to shake us, trying to awaken us, trying to get our attention. And you're thinking everything's against you? No, it's not. God is for you. He's knocking. He's knocking. He's trying to let you to get in and open up the door because our salvation is no game to our God here's what I understand if somebody steals a lot something from you from your house you want a serious detective to come up on the case and get your stuff back if somebody's trying to put you in jail for something that you didn't do you want a serious lawyer to try to get you out if you just cut your hand off and you want to get it sewed back on you want a serious surgeon to fix you if your child isn't breathing in the restaurant you want a serious EMS worker to bring him back to life there are no times for joking in certain situations. But here's what I understand. A family can be all messed up with spiritual defeat on their way to bondage, and that same family can walk in the back door of the church, look at the preacher and say, don't get too serious today. 
It's just my eternity. I absolutely do not understand that logic. I don't, I don't even know if your brain is firing if that's how you think. This is not even a spiritual moment. This is a logical moment. Why in the world would you treat everything else so serious? And then your commitment to God is no big deal. We need serious preaching, ladies and gentlemen, more than we need serious police. We need serious salvation more than we need serious surgeons. We need serious doctrine more than we need serious doctors. This is forever we're talking about. When you stop being serious about something, I'm going to tell you, you'll start losing things. The mountain climber that climbs and starts playing jokes with his ropes. There are times you don't joke. And when you're hanging on a mountain and it's freezing, you say, shut up. I could die if this, is, if this goes wrong. Are you being rude? No, you're not being rude. Your life's on the line. Look at the context. It's not mean if I could die over it. You believe that? You would not leave that mountain and say, oh, Jim is so mean. He talked to me mean up on that mountain. You know what you would do is say, we were about to die. And Jim, Jim had every right to tell me that I need to get serious. When life and death is in the balance, it's not offensive. If you're trying to save me, I'm not mad at you. Now, if you're just trying to mess with me to have fun and joke with me, I don't like that. But if I know your goal is to get me to heaven, I can put up with just about anything. Astronauts never joke about one of the items on the checklist not working before launch. Well, we got a light not on. It's okay. Just send them. Million-dollar companies don't get massive because the employees play around all day. Pro athletes, listen to this. Pro athletes that make millions and millions of dollars don't even eat what they want or do what they want all day because they want to win. I heard that LeBron James does not eat sugar during the playoffs, and that would kill some of us to do it for two days. Just laugh on the inside, smile, hold it in. Our world understands how to be serious for what they want. And it's like we can't talk about this stuff. It's like we are not allowed to talk about it. We have the most serious agenda that anybody else has in the entire world. This is more important than an NBA final. They give up sugar for weeks. Can we, could we do that? And the one that gets me the most and makes me the most frustrating because I was a youth pastor when this happened is I had young people in my youth group, young boys, come to me and tell me, it's really tough on my football team, pastor, or youth, yeah, youth pastor. It was tough on my football team at practice because the coaches cussed me out every day. I said, they do what at a public school? We pay those people? Yes, they cuss me out every day at practice. What are they doing? They start, they're trying to motivate me. They cuss at me. They tell me, you, you, you know, you say these bad words to get me motivated. And yet, their very same parents would get mad at me for preaching on heaven and hell during youth service. 
they're allowed to get cussed at by their coach because that could produce a scholarship and that could produce big money for mama to get a new house. The love of money behind all that mess. Fame, fortune. But what do we get here when we listen to the preacher? You don't get all that stuff, do you? There's only one thing you guaranteed. You get eternity. And we hate waiting. We hate paying the price and getting it later. We want it all right now. And that right there scares me that parents be more concerned about their kids having something nice today at the expense of having eternity later. I say as a parent, Brother Diego, I don't care if my daughter is offended. I don't care if she comes home and says, Brother Diego preached on hell today. It made me feel uncomfortable. I will say, you know what? He's right. Good for him. I'm thankful our youth pastor cares more about our youth souls than trying to be popular. That's what I will do as a parent if that happens. I don't go run to Odessa and say, you poor, you poor thing. I'm going to go march down there. I Don't you know I'm the pastor and that's my daughter? No, in fact, I'll just give God praise and say thank God for someone who who wants to love our youth enough to preach the truth and stand for righteousness. Thank God for a youth pastor that will take their phone away so they'll actually pray. Never going to make me mad about that. I can't get a hold of my kids. What did y'all do before there were phones? You trusted God. Lord, help us wake up in this last days. The Lord's coming back quickly. David was serious about Goliath. Joshua didn't play around with Jericho. Paul was serious about the preaching. And Jesus was absolutely serious about the cross. It was no laughing matter. Most miserable people in all the world are not serious about the right things. This is kind of funny in our closing today, but I thought it would make a good example. So we went camping, and Caleb's in charge. Caleb comes across sometimes as worry-free, casual. I warned Caleb there would be intense storms that could be hitting us Friday night. And he was like, no, it's cool. My man is ready to go to heaven. Good for him. And I got there. And I saw Caleb pull out his tent, or should I say, his bunker. He began to put up this monstrosity, this fortress of sorts. He said, look how easy it is. And he tried to, he tried to put it up. He couldn't. <laughs> he couldn't. It had all these pop-out features, and he had to eventually have help. Because he, he literally, like, moved in a hotel. He was like, if, if anyone or all of you need somewhere to stay tonight... <laughs> And I thought, no wonder he's not afraid. He took it very seriously. Why are you not afraid? Because he came prepared. Thank you for the example, Brother Caleb. We could be doing a work project up here at the church, and we had to change a light bulb. Caleb shows up with a truckload of tools that we will never need. 
He starts to unload his stuff. He's got gadgets and gizmos. He's got wheel things on wheels and dollies, and he's pushing the stuff in. I'm like, it's just, it's just a light bulb, bro. No big deal. We can fix this. No problem. He seems carefree on the surface. But when you really get to know Caleb, he takes things very seriously. And the Lord whispered to me and said, I showed you this so that you had an example. That we can live carefree if we will be concerned about the things that matter the most. If we'll live our lives prepared and serious about the storms to come. If we'll have every tool ready for everything that arises. We can live life free, stress free. It doesn't matter. I've got something for that. It doesn't matter what the enemy uses against me. I've got armor for that. I've got the shield of faith. It doesn't matter what happens to me. I've got something for that. I'm not worried. I've got everything I need in Christ. I'm not worried. I can live life to the fullness because I take things seriously. Do you know why you can't just relax and enjoy living for God? Because you've cheated so long on your walk with God. You cut corners. You know you should pray, but you don't. You're looking for an easier way to have victory in the kingdom. You know you're not all in. And there's a certain amount of anxiety knowing that you're not fully committed to God and the storm could wipe you out any minute. And you live in constant fear. This word is for someone right now who's battling great fear. You're afraid all the time because you're not serious and you know it. Let's lift our hands right now. Let the Holy Ghost talk to somebody. If you don't mind, open it up your heart. Just see if God's talking to you right now. I know the Lord's talking to somebody today. Oh, God, help us. You're always uptight when people talk about you. You don't like you, don't like you because you know you're insecure with your walk with Jesus. You don't like all that. It, it triggers you. It bothers you. Well, people don't like me, and people talk about me, and I, I this and that. It's because you know your walk with the Lord is weak. But, oh, if we would ever get serious about our walk with God, we will walk with confidence. It doesn't matter who's for me. God is with me. It doesn't matter who's for me. God is with me. It doesn't matter what the enemy does. God is with me. It doesn't matter the rain or the storms. It doesn't matter what happens in the world. Though God is with me. Inflation, God is with me. It doesn't matter. God is with me. I'm ready. I'm ready for the end times. I take my walk with God so seriously. Woo. I want to see miracles again, Pastor. Do you really? It doesn't show up in church. It shows up in your daily prayer meetings. I wish we could have the dead raised in here. It doesn't show up by coming and worshiping. It shows up by taking the things of God seriously. My pastor in Dallas, 70 years old pastor of that same church for 40 years. He, he should have had the credibility to preach anything he wants. But I could, I could tell you so many times after he preached a strong message about eternity and hell, he would end the service apologizing 
Every time he'd apologize, seeing that elder of the kingdom, it broke my heart that a man like that would give his whole life to the kingdom and have to apologize. Why are you apologizing for loving these people enough? I know why. Because the pressure of the day and the culture says you're too mean. It's a lie of the devil. He even admitted it. He said, when I preach like this at night, the devil attacks my mind all night long and says, you have hurt those people. That's the devil. That is the accuser of the brethren trying to condemn us, and we've done nothing wrong. I refuse to let that devil lie. I refuse to let that enemy lie to us and tell us that we don't love people because we tell them the truth. It's a lie. You don't love me if you're not honest with me. You don't love me if you don't tell me the truth. You love yourself. You don't want to pay the price of truth. So I will not apologize. Because the truth is, we only do this because we care. We only say get right because we care. We only say enough joking because we care. We only preach on holiness because we care. We only preach that men and women are different because we care. We only preach about prayer and devotion and don't go there and don't watch that because we care. And everybody else out there that says do what you want doesn't care. They just want to build their church, fill their bank accounts. They'd rather have it easy. I'd rather suffer and preach the truth. I'd rather suffer and stand on God's word because I know if I can keep this up, we're going to see blinded eyes open. We're going to see people walk again. We're going to see a baptismal tank that stays warm and ready 24 hours a day because people are coming in wanting to see the glory of God. But we cannot be casual and have an end-time revival. We cannot play games with this doctrine. We can't play games with this salvation. So preach it. Do Bible studies. Stand for righteousness. And don't let anybody tell you that you don't love them. Let's lift our hands together right now. Thank you, Lord. I love the kingdom. I feel so much better after some good, strong preaching. I feel better after a good time of crying and repenting. I feel so much better. I feel like I can laugh now. I can smile now. I feel like I have peace now. If you don't have peace, it's because you're not taking the things of God seriously. You joke about them. You dismiss them. You try to run out the back door during altar because you say it's not a big deal. But it is a big deal. If you would treat the things of God as big deals, you'd start to love it. You don't love it because you're not serious about your relationship with Jesus. Oh, God, help us today. Help us, God, right now. Oh, God, prick our hearts right now. I'm praying that somebody would get a spirit of serious on them and say this matters more than anything else in the world. You matter more than anything else in the world. I'm not playing games with this. I'm not joking about this. 
God. Oh, God. I open up the front today as a custom in our church. It's a place where you can come show devotion. It's a place you can come walk out from your comfort zone and get to the front and say, it's serious, it's serious, it's serious. I, I care. It matters. I'm not playing games. I'm not going to let the NBA stars of the world be more serious about their God than I am about you. I refuse to let people worship more than me. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God, I repent today. I'm sorry, Lord, for playing around with such a great salvation. I'm sorry, God, for just talking lightly about something so serious, God. I worry about everything besides my walk with you. I worry about my job, my money. I worry about everything. I don't worry about you. I don't worry about us. And that's the problem, God. Forgive me. For let my mental space be clouded with all kinds of things that are temporal. Forgive me. If I could just get my confidence in you, God, I could smile again. If I get a confidence in you, I could laugh again. If I could just know that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven, I could just be all right. If the recession kills us, it's going to be all right. If persecution destroys us, it's going to be all right. If I end up in jail shackled, I'll praise you anyhow because it's all right. I take it seriously. Come on, God's calling ministers right now because you're finally starting to get serious. God's calling young couples right now to your calling. Single women right now to your calling. Single men to your calling. Because you're saying, I want you more than everything else. I want you more than family and marriage. I want you, God, more than money and career. I want you, God. Let's take it serious. Beg for help. Beg for advice. Beg for strong preaching. After church, come tell me. Preach it like that every Sunday, Pastor. I won't leave. I won't quit. I won't keep my ties back because you preach straight. We're going to preach the truth no matter what you give or what you don't give. But why don't you come tell me after church, I'll even give more when you preach the truth. We need a miracle in this hour. We need truth in this hour. In the name of Jesus, right now, hello, my Savior. Oh, shake us, awaken us, stir us. Come on, if, if the Word of God can't shake you, God's going to have to use something stronger than this. God just wants to whisper in your ear right now. God just wants to whisper in your spirit right now. God doesn't want to have to shake you and rattle you and break you. He wants you to hear the messenger today and say, yes, that's the word for me, pastor. That's all I need from you, God. Just, just say it. I don't have to lose anything to get my attention. God, just tell me. Right now, grace is coming to you. Right now, God's grace is coming to you. God wants you to hear the word of the Lord and change everything about the way you live and say, from now on, I'm building my house on the rock. No joking matter. No games are being played with me, with my family, with my church. This is serious. The time is upon us. The end times have arrived. 
The season is here. The leaves are shifting. The leaves are changing. Why am I playing around? Why am I still hooked on television and movies? Uh, why am I playing around with this world? Why am I flirting with Netflix? Uh, what am I doing missing church? Uh, what am I doing missing things? If the Holy Ghost, if I could just shake you right now. If I could just shake you right now with the Word of God. Stir your heart. Oh, forgive us, God. We are the church of Laodicea. We're rich. We're stuffed. But really, we're naked and we're empty. We're deceived is what we are. We have everything that we do not need. Nothing that we do. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I'm taking it serious, God. Come on, this is good. I make your mind up right now. The tears are the effect of making your mind up. They're not what's going to get you through. The tears are the response to your heart. It's what emotes out of you when you decide, I'm broken, I'm yours, God. You have my life. You take my life. You, you've got me, God. Tears are the evidence of openness is all this. You can't cry your way into the kingdom, but you can cry because of a response of coming into the kingdom. Oh, God, I surrender to you, Lord. This is no laughing matter. Next time your wife says, we got to get right, you say, you're right. This is no joke. Next time your husband says, we got to get right, you say, yes, we got to get right. Next time the saint across the church says, you hadn't been to church in a while, say, you're right. Thank you for shaking me. You're right. I got to get serious. Oh, you're going to love. You're, you're going to love your life. You're going to love your new life if you'll obey the Lord right now. You're going to love living for God. You're going to love miracles, signs, and wonders. You're going to love joy unspeakable, full of glory. You're going to love seeing angels. You're going to love having God's hand on your life. You're going to love your life with God. You're going to love being free of depression, being free of all the darkness. You're going to love your new life if you will get buckled up and serious. I've been in church a long time, Pastor. I never really have found what I'm looking for because you never have gotten serious enough. You flirted with God. You've danced on the border of God's domain. But if you'll hear me today and you will really go all in for Jesus, you will start for the first time in your life to love living like a Christian. The only Christians I know that are miserable are on a cross. They're pinned to it and they won't die. They're suspended between heaven and earth and they refuse to give up the ghost. They refuse to go all in and they live their life half-sacrificing. And all they have is a bad taste in their mouth about God because they refuse to give in all the way. If this is you right now and you're on a cross, that cross is temporary. It's a temporary calling. You're not supposed to be on it forever. You're supposed to carry it. It's not supposed to carry you. Listen. Yeah. You're supposed to carry that thing. 
but you're still stuck on your cross because you won't give in. Come on, I want you to see yourself on that cross. Some of you, if you're there, God's going to show you. You're on that cross. You're torn between two lives. You're torn between the comforts of this, this temporal world and eternity. And the Lord is saying to you right now, would you just stop fighting me? Would you just give up the ghosts? Would you just get all in so you can stop the suffering and let the resurrection come? Huh. Come on, dads, you'd break in. You'd fight anybody to defend your family. What will you do in the spirit to defend them from the enemy? Come on, ladies, I know you would do anything to protect your children or protect your husband. Would you fight in the spirit? Would you wake up in the morning and get your Bible out and pray? What will you do seriously to have victory? A serious church is a happy place. A serious church is a miracle working station. A serious church is a place where you sell things and give to each other. A serious church. You know why they're not singing right now? Because there's a wave of the glory of God trying to come in this house. God's soberness is trying to come in right now. And they don't feel the liberty to do it because right now God is reaching inside of souls. not a whole lot you can do right now besides just let God dig in that heart. Come on, there's a soberness right now taking place. There's a seriousness right now. People are choosing life or death. People are choosing temporary over eternity right now. This is a massive moment of decision. Choose ye this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. My mind is made up. I'm not joking around with this. Thank you, Lord, for every strong preacher you ever put in my life, God. Thank you, God, for strong parents who didn't let me do what I wanted to do. Thank you, God, for serious parents who didn't let me go to the high school football game because it wasn't a good atmosphere. And I got mad. But thank you, God, for serious parents. Thank you, God, for serious preachers over the years. Thank you, God, for serious preachers at camp meetings and youth camps when I was growing up, God. And they preached and they, they challenged me and I got rid of bad things in my life. Thank you, God, for strong friends who don't let me go to hell without a fight. Thank you, God, for family members who speak up and say, you know, it ain't right what you're doing. I'd rather have that than a car wreck. I'd rather have that than cancer. For it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save than to believe. The most pleased method of God saving us is through the preaching, not the pain. God wants to shake our souls with just the preaching. If we would learn just to listen to the Word and read the Word and take it seriously, we wouldn't have to have all kinds of chaos shake us and make us. Oh God, I surrender to you today, Lord. I surrender to Jesus. 
Lord, shake us, catch us. If you're thinking about what time it is and you're about to go eat, you missed my whole message. If you're wishing I would hurry, you missed it completely and I'm preaching to you. If you're bored and checked out and wondering what all the fuss is about, I'm, I'm reaching for you right now in the Holy Ghost. You're dancing on that line. Nothing's more serious than our commitment to serving the Lord and obeying Him at all cost. It's the most fun, liberating lifestyle you'll ever have. Thank you, Jesus. This is how I feel to close right now. God is going to give us great peace and joy in about five minutes. But right now, all across this place, if you're ready to get out from underneath the dark cloud, I want you to make a real solid commitment right now to God. I mean, from the depths of your heart. And if you want to do it right now, I want to give you a chance all together across this church right now that I am enough playing games, enough being half-hearted, halfway in, enough just flirting around with my, my love for you and my faith in the name of Jesus. I'm sorry. I repent. God, I've been, I've been on the edge for far too long. Let's have that prayer meeting right now. Let's make a commitment right now to God. Come on, don't be afraid of making that commitment. If you're serious about it, then get serious. It's a lifestyle. It's a mentality. Let's make it right now in Jesus' name all together. Let's shift our perspective. Let's shift our value systems. Let's shift it to something eternal. Come on, let's lift up your hearts. You can lift your hands and surrender right now. Open your heart to God in the name of Jesus right now, God. Oh, I surrender to you, Jesus. Oh, God, I'm yours, Lord. I can't play games. I'm not just saying this, God. I feel this in my heart, God. I, I'm not going to choke around anymore. I, I'm not going to push it away or hide from this kind of truth. I'm running to truth. I'm running to the truth. I'm running to serious people. I, I, from now on, I'm only going to hang around people who are serious, that people that care. I refuse to run with people who don't love me enough to help me get to heaven. You don't love me. I'm changing it all right now, God. Every book I read, every, every video I watch, God, I'm serious. The way I act, the way I live, my words, God, they're serious. It matters how I treat people, love people. The devil says it doesn't matter if you eat the tree. Who cares? You're a lying devil. It does matter. That thing will change my life forever, devil. The voice of the devil says, just eat it. Who cares? No, it's serious. You get, out, you get away from me, devil. Get behind me, devil. This is no joke. This is serious. I will not touch this thing. I will not do this thing. This is too serious. There are some things we can't laugh about. There are some things we can't joke about. And when it comes to me living in sin, it comes to me not being right with God, you have every right to take that serious. Thank you, Lord. Now I feel like the Holy Ghost is going to minister to us. 
Lift your hands. Are you ready? Y'all going to sing something? Y'all can sing something, Jose. I feel like the Lord wants to lift us up now. I feel like the Lord wants to take away a burden right now. Now, let's let joy and peace minister in this place right now. Come on, you've planted something deep inside of you. Let's let, let's, let's, let's let that cultivate into joy and peace. That's it. Let's cast our cares off right now. Lift your, lift your hands up, your voice up in the name of Jesus. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it, Lord. Nothing to fear, nothing to worry about. If you've made your commitment strong today, there's nothing to fear. Nothing to worry about. You can breathe now. You can breathe now. You can breathe now. You can breathe now. There is therefore now no condemnation to those in Christ. You can breathe now. If you've done that, then the only voice you're hearing coming against you is the devil. And he's an accuser of the brethren. And you rebuke him right now and say, get out of my mind. You don't have territory right now. I'm not living in that dark cloud anymore. You got nothing on me, devil. Woo, yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on, let's sing it out together right now in our hearts. Oh, you're enough for us, Lord. You supply every need, Lord. I don't have to fear. I don't have to worry, Lord. Lift up every heavy burden right now. Bring joy, bring peace, and bring laughter to the people of God. Let us shine bright in the last days. Let us be the beacon on a hill, the light on a hill, a city on a hill. Let us be a, a lightweight around people that are heavy burdened, God. Let us be a testimony of the goodness of God. Surrounded by people who are fearful, let us be people who are not afraid. Because we take you seriously, God. Jesus, you provide for us. You take care of us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. There's condemnation and there's accusing. They're different things. You got to know the difference in them. When you're right with God, there's no condemnation. 
when you're not right with God, there's condemnation. That is not from the devil, right? That's from the light. For the light has come into the world and shined in the darkness. We are condemned already because we are in darkness. You didn't even know you were condemned until there was light. When you know there's light and yet you reject the light, you feel condemnation. Because you know that you should be living this way. But you're living that way. But when you decide to walk in the light and you still feel like you're not good enough, that's the accuser of the brethren. That's why you must measure your righteousness off the Word of God and not after how you feel. I'm measuring right now how I feel off of the truth. I may not feel very good if I think I hurt you, but if I know that I preach the gospel, I feel just fine. The truth lets me know whether or not I'm right or wrong. So the only voice left when I'm right is the devil. But I resist that devil. I submit to God, and he will flee. He will flee. You have the opportunity today to leave this place free of condemnation and the voice of the devil. And you have freedom today to walk in peace and joy if you so choose. You can walk out of this service lighter than when you walked in, being a light and a beacon to the world, to your family. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I feel the peace of the Lord. Let's just let the Lord move in this place. I feel the peace of the Holy Ghost. I'm not walking out of here with that weight. I'm not going to walk out of here with that darkness. I'm walking out of here free in Jesus' name. I'm walking out of here with my head up because I know who I submit to. I know the secret places of my heart are pure. The only thing that happens in darkness in my life is prayer. Well, that's a good way to live. Thank you, Lord. That's the best way to live. Thank you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah.